Hey, y'all, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by my friends over at Bison Coolers, 100% American-made coolers. They're built not only for the outdoorsman or woman, but also for the weekend warrior type. You know, maybe uh, college football tailgating is your thing, or you're taking the wife and kids camping for the weekend. Either way, Bison Coolers has you covered. They're family-owned and offer great customer service, and you can find their entire lineup of coolers, tumblers, bottles, and other Bison gear by visiting bisoncoolers.com. And the Lone Star Outdoor Show podcast is also brought to you by PhoneScope. If you're looking for that long-range footage, whether you want to hook it up to your spotting scope, binos, or whatever your choice, it doesn't matter, PhoneScope is the only option. It's the smartphone optics adapter, the originator, not the imitator. So capture, record, and share with PhoneScope. Literally, you're recording with your smartphone while it's looking through your optics. So check it out, PhoneScope.com. And you'll save 10% off your order if you use the promo code Lone Star. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Of course, it had to be Stevie Ray Vaughn, Texas Flood. It's been raining cats and dogs here in the Lone Star State of late. I hope some of y'all listening from out of the state have been enjoying some summer rains as well. Cool thing this past week, I was uh, driving in the pickup truck, looked up, and it was it was raining, and it was raining pretty hard, but there was a solid blue sky overhead. And those moments don't happen very often, but man, it sure is cool when they do. Uh, anyway, I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today as we've got a great show planned out for you here on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, so you know what to do by now. Go ahead, pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire here. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. Hey, maybe it's iced coffee today. It's pretty dang hot. Uh, but anyway, pour yourself another cup and scoot on over to the campfire because we've got a lot to get into, starting with some long-range shooting discussion. And this is a, a sport that is just gaining traction and popularity, I mean, exponentially. Uh, and the North American Long-Range Shooting Association has a new circuit out there where folks are competing and getting paid big bucks based on their marksmanship skills. And, and anybody can enter. It's open to you and I and our friend Derek Ratliff, owner of Horizon Firearms. He recently competed in one here in Texas. and They do travel all over the country. Uh, but Derek will talk about the format of this thing. It's run by guys who are or were involved with the PBR uh, bull riding circuit. So... They've got a grasp of what draws crowds and what gets people excited, and it's a very interactive format for the viewers and, and other shooters too. So uh, cool stuff on that front. Uh, Derek will tell us which calibers were the most popular at the shoot he went to. I have imagined the 6.5 is going to be a major player. Uh, <laughs> that's my prediction. But he'll break that down for us. Also, judging wind. Uh, what separates Derek? Because he did well in this thing. Uh, but, you know, as a custom rifle builder, he still didn't make the final round. So what separates his skill set from the top-notch shooters out there? Uh, and then we'll talk Africa 
specifically what caliber Derek is taking on his upcoming safari as we will actually cross paths in the same hunting camp. He'll be in South Africa a week before I will. Uh, so we'll probably see him there and spend uh, at least one or two nights in camp with him as he is finishing up his hunt and we are starting ours. Uh, and then maybe, just maybe, we'll see if he knocks down that giraffe. And that is <laughs> probably going to be a little bit controversial with the anti-hunters out there. But, hey, if it pays, it stays, baby. That's the name of the game when it comes to conservation. And it sucks to have to say, if an animal has a dollar value, then it stays. But that is the God's honest truth, y'all. Uh, hunters are the biggest conservationists, and it's because we put a value on an animal. And anti-hunters and tree huggers do not. They think that they have a value on an animal by protecting it, but all they're doing is condemning it to death. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when an animal doesn't have a dollar value, poachers take over. Habitat loss ensues. Their habitat gets uh, turned into agriculture most of the time, uh, sometimes in more... Uh, developed areas, you know, you'll see uh, buildings pop up, but it is what it is. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, and then we'll be joined by Gene Mosley, president of the Gulf Coast German Short Hair Pointer Club. We will talk about this awesome bird dog breed, the German Short Hair Pointer. Uh, take a historical look back at where it came from and what it was originally intended to hunt, because uh, it's a little different from what it does today. Uh, and then uh, get into just uh, what makes this dog tick and why, it, like I said, why is it such a great, especially for quail and pheasant upland. I mean, it's uh, it's about as good as it gets. So we'll talk bird dogs, uh, GSPs, and then snake breaker clinics. So we'll do a segment at the end of the broadcast. And this is something that whether you hunt ducks, hogs, raccoons, quail, pheasant, it does not matter. You need to get your pup to a clinic because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when if you hunt a lot your dog's going to come into contact with the snake and it's up to you to arm them with the knowledge to avoid it so there's a way to do that and uh, we'll go into detail about snake breaking your dog here in just a little bit uh, so that's what's on the docket for today it's going to be a good one guarantee you that i'm excited about it hope you are as well a couple other things to mention let's see i've got uh oh yeah our July Photo of the Month contest is rocking and rolling right now. Up for grabs is a uh, what is an all-seasons feeders, 24 by 20 fire pit slash smoker. It's what I use in my backyard, cook, smoke all of my wild game on it, and we're giving one away to this month's Photo of the Month winner. So send in your best outdoor photo, hunting, fishing photo, or even outdoor scenery to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page wall or use the LSOS photo contest hashtag on Instagram and we'll see your photo there. Get you entered into the contest and then uh, y'all get to vote and decide who wins at the end of the month. And don't forget, our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt Trophy Axis or Black Buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So another great grand prize hunt package brought to you by coons canyon ranch well, let's do a quick giveaway here uh, lone star ag credit our friends recently hooked us up with some swag for you guys and gals i've got a lone star ag credit camo cap koozie laptop case and bandana we'll give it out to the third person since we're talking bird dogs this morning third person to text in the word bird dog that's bird dog to 214-289-7807 
and you will win the Lone Star Ag Credit prize pack. Let's take a break. Up next, it's all things long-range shooting with our buddy Derek Ratliff from Horizon Firearms right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. The water's deeper, the wine works fine, but the whiskey's cheaper, I turn it around. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. It's no secret the weather in North Texas is harsh and unforgiving, and that's why I need to tell you about Tidal Roofing, a fully insured roofing company serving DFW since 2003. Plus, one of the owners is a range listener himself. Tidal Roofing offers free estimates with a workmanship guarantee of seven years using only quality materials. They offer residential and commercial roofing, gutter and window installation and repair, painting, fencing, and are a general contractor. Check them out at TitleRoofing.com or call 972-455-8181 today. 21 days on the road Wondering where we're gonna go from here 21 days on the road I go home, but my home's right here 21 days on the road, a little Cory Morrow bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show Power. Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith, and man, tell you what, during hunting season, I feel like I'm uh, I'm living out that song, 21 Days on the Road. It never ends, that's for sure. Um, thanks to our presenting sponsors, by the way, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, and thanks to you guys and gals for being here today. I do appreciate it, as we've got an interesting topic to get into with the ever-increasing popularity of long-range shooting, but before we're joined by our old friend Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. This segment of the show is brought to you by IOTA Outdoors. Check it out. If you're looking for the perfect backcountry rifle stock, then go no further than IOTA Outdoors. The Crux, it weighs in at a lean, mean, 27 ounces. And coming from a guy who literally unpacks his pack five times, you know, checking every single instant coffee packet that I have, making sure, do I really need that one? Maybe I'll go without coffee that morning just because I don't want to carry the weight. Yeah, the Crux is perfect. And you can find it at iota 
outdoors.com. Oh, by the way, save 10% if you tell them that I sent you. That's right. Use my promo code Lone Star when you check out, and you'll save 10% off anything you order at IOTA. Uh, well, without further ado, let's bring him on right now. He's the president and CEO of Horizon Firearms. It's always a pleasure to welcome back our old friend, Derek Ratliff. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Cave. I always enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. So how in the world have you been, man? Man, it's been busy. I tell you what, this has been one of our busiest summers, but everything is uh, looking up and we're getting ready for Africa so I can start to feel hunting season coming. Drew a couple tags for Wyoming and so starting to starting to get that time of year. Awesome. Yeah, um we were talking about Africa off the air. You're going yeah, you're going in two weeks, and then I will be yeah. I don't we might see each other uh there at yeah, uh, at the lodge. I think we might we might cross there at camp the you know, our last couple of days there. It'd be pretty neat to see you yeah. there you can tell you all the stories. <laughs> yeah, well, and next year we're going to have to just go the same week. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to that, but uh, kind of a little feeling like it's fast approaching and I have lots of stuff I still need to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, and, it's, and being it's your first trip, you'll, you'll probably never feel like you have it all under wraps until you get there, but just do the best you can to hang on. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you, how's your preparation going? Are you ready? Man, I I am at least prepared than I've probably ever been for a hunting trip like this, and then I, which which doesn't feel good. I I have shot, and you know we we've uh, figured out what ammo and everything we're going to use. But you know, as far as getting it all together and symbol, you know, assembled where we can uh, can actually jump on a plane, we're we're pretty far away from that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get it there though. Oh yeah, that's how I feel. It's a little overwhelming. Yep. Uh, but absolutely. I'm but I'm that's the you know I'm the type of guy who. The, the night before I leave for a, a seven-day elk hunt, I'm I'm unpacking my bag three or four times, counting every ounce. And <laughs> you got to make sure that the bugle and the cow call are always there multiple yes. times. I'm the same way. Yep. Pack and unpack. Well, and I, I'm not, not going to lie. I always have two bugles and two cow yep. calls because if you lose one, yep. you're up there. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's <laughs> exactly. more weight, but it's one of those things. That's, I, I Actually, we ran into uh, – I was hunting in New Mexico a couple years ago on public land and ran into a guy – he lost his bugle. He was the only person I saw for uh, eight days. Yeah. And he was like, I had to, I was like, how's your hunt going? He was from Austin, you know, small yeah. world. But uh, he was like, man, it's uh, it's been good. I've seen elk, but I had I wasted two days. I lost my bugle. I had to go all the way back down uh, to my truck and then hike uh, back in. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm the same way with cow calls, one in each pocket. And I yeah. was taught that from a guy that used to work at Bocek with me. And when you come across some of the clear cuts, you know, you have – Cow call in each each pocket you can squeeze and uh, and you know if you lose one you've always got another so now I'm the same same way with cow calls. Yeah, what is it? Is it the is it the hoochie mama? What is that? Absolutely, I mean I, you know it's just too easy yeah. and it's about the best sounding one there is in my opinion. I mean people we tried like, a lot of stuff, but people say elk get more they get educated into the hoochie mama. Everyone has one, so they don't come. That's just a load of hogwash. Yeah, we've, I mean I've I've had wonderful luck with it. Yeah. That's about the you know. Uh, and like that's you said, keep thing. it in your pocket and it kind of muffles it, or you can yep. point it one direction and you know, uh, yep. pretty versatile little call there. Highly recommend yeah. it. Yep. Um, well, hey, let's let's talk about something fascinating that you were a part of recently, yeah. and you were telling telling me about this. And I was like, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, this is a long range shooting competition, and it's yeah, it's not some deal where you and a couple of buddies just got together on the weekend and saw who could you know hit steel for right, distance. Right. Uh, this is a oh. pretty serious event. 
Yeah, this is a neat a, a neat deal that's uh, come about, and I, you know, uh, which and I'll explain why I think it's kind of a neat thing in our industry. You know, a lot of people are familiar with you know pre- precision rifle series and these kind of things where there's a lot involved in gear and there's a lot involved in training. Where this time it's it's National Long Range Shooting or sorry North American Long Range Shooting Association mm-hmm. uh, is the name of it. You can they have Facebook and all that good stuff. But it's actually a customer of ours who has got together with some people and put together a very legit organization. And they're traveling like we went and shot in Oklahoma. They're shooting here on the 25th, I believe, in, in Fort Worth. There, um, done one in College Station. They're going to Colorado, Pennsylvania, Florida. And the concept behind it is, seriously, it's all about accuracy at distance. So the guys who are running it come from the rodeo world. I don't know how much you or the listeners know about rodeo. I mean, I, I did a little bit of roping when I was younger in the sense that they well, do. Well, then you've done a little more than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do, a, they do a point system, right? Uh-huh. So it's kind of like PBR in the sense that when you, you know, win or you, whatever your score that you shoot at 500 dictates whether you're, let's say, a, a level one shooter or a level 10 shooter. And then they bracket these different shoots based on uh, the top shooter number. So if they have like a number five shoot, anybody who shoots one, two, three, four, five can shoot at that shoot. But like a number seven or a number eight doesn't shoot there. So it actually uh-huh. makes it very competitive based on your skill level. And so it's, it's all like digital. It's like a golf targets. handicap. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And it's, it's like a, a – uh, so then they have digital targets. And you start, everybody starts out at 500. And when you hit the target right there in your shooting bay, it has a, um, an iPad or two iPads, actually, one that runs target vision cameras and one that runs an eShot target system. And you can see exactly where you hit, scores it on the big screen, and then they even have a TV area for like spectators to watch the four shooters that are shooting against each other at a time. Hmm. And then they take the top 50% move them to 700 and they take the top 12 and they shoot at some distance around a thousand yards. And here's the big kicker for anybody who's interested in long range shooting compared to F class and all your PRS stuff. These guys have guaranteed payout money. So all 12 slots, uh, actually all the top 12 get paid. Um, and the, the first place actually gets around $7,000. Uh, wow. that's per shoot. So we had a guy, uh, you know, this, this last week, we, didn't do as well as you'd wish, you know, uh, had a couple of us, myself included, you know, make it into the 700 yard, uh, uh, division, but not into the thousand yard, you know, top, not in the top 12, yeah. but we had a guy, uh, we were talking with, and he'd actually won like the Houston area F class, uh, you know, division last year and said, and he, I think he placed maybe seventh or something in this shoot there. And he said it, and you know, in the seventh place shoot in this type of scenario, he actually made more money than he did winning the entire region in F-Class last year. So, wow. you know, if you're involved in long-range shooting, um, it's really interesting uh, organization. I mean, it's, I, I've been very, very uh, impressed by the guys running that. And tell us the name of it one more time so folks can it's look it up. North American Long-Range Shooting Association. And I believe their website is long-rangeshooting.com. Okay. Fascinating, but fascinating. Have a neat, neat deal. I mean, there's a lot of guys you shooting your hunting rifle. You know, you, you you get a membership like you would the NRA. They do a lot of that kind of stuff, and then you you know have an entry fee for each shoot, um, and it's kind of like a jackpot type shoot. So it's really really fun. You'll probably you know we're going to be really involved in that. Uh-huh. Um, so if, if you come out, we'll see us there for sure. 
Well, I'll come out and watch. I don't know about embarrassing <laughs> myself, but uh, uh, it's I've fun. Got, I got I've got a lot to learn on the long range shooting side of things. I, I enjoy <laughs> it, and I've gone out with our you know our mutual friends from yeah uh, Geo Ballistics. Oh yeah, and their uh, ballistics art calculator. Uh, Joe. We use we use that a lot. In fact, there's a lot of people at the tournament with that with that product. Really, really good uh-huh. product. Oh yeah, yeah, and they're just awesome guys too. So, and yeah. Jeff, one of the owners, is he's uh, on my dear list. So nice. Yeah. There you go. So cool. If I ever have a question, I just give him a ring. But um, what what calibers were the most popular for these series guys? Um, Man, it's interesting. There's I'd say it's divided into to three categories, and you could see. Um, a, a big advantage in a couple of them, and I'm going to explain that. We saw a lot of what I would call your kind of your small six millimeters, six BRs, six uh, XCs, um, those kind of calibers. And those guys, to be just bluntly honest, struggle a lot because it was probably the most difficult wind condition I personally have ever shot in. Uh-huh. So those guys really struggled with the wind changing. And then you have the meat of the market, everybody's shooting six, five Creedmoors. I mean, we took three Creedmoors. I mean, everybody's got Creedmoors. Um, and then you have a few guys shooting seven mags and, um, the seven mag guys really had an advantage, you know, on the distance and with that wind, with the high BCs, the, the only issue with the big magnums is you do shoot, uh, 10 round shots or 10 shot strings over a three minute course. So, you know, that's a lot with the big magnum where that, uh, six, five, you know, it doesn't heat up, uh, near as bad. So mm-hmm. yeah, I used to, I mean, I would say, uh, I'll say easy 60% of them are 6.5 creamers. Well, we've talked about the 6.5 a lot over the last two yeah. years, and it looks like uh, it's not uh, the popularity isn't slowing down. That's for sure. No, absolutely not. It's uh, if anything is you know picking up, and we we we've seen they've actually introduced a new 147 grain bullet for that caliber, and that's what we were all shooting. Um, and believe it or not, you know our whole team was just shooting the factory ammo and, and getting great speeds great standard deviations and it's hard to argue with that and, and try and convince yourself to reload when the factory ammo is that good yeah yeah well <laughs> i mean that's convenient because to be honest with you i don't have time to reload and oh, i want I agree. the best thing i can shoot without having yep. to sit in my garage for hours upon hours no i hate like i said I, I people at the shop always make fun of me that's my least favorite part of of our job or our industry whatever i absolutely hate to reload i just do <laughs> But call me a sucker. I'll go to the store and pay, you know, a premium for good ammo. There you go. Exactly. Well, hey, Derek, uh, let's do this. We need to take a quick break here, but I want to come back. And, I mean, you're a gun maker for a living, a custom rifle builder, and yet you didn't make the final round. So when we come back, I want to talk about what separates the guys that did make the final round uh, from yourself. I mean, you're a much better shooter than me, and it looks like they're a better shooter than you. Uh, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty of uh, why exactly they're so proficient because I know you've got some insight to share on that front. So you're good to stick around for another segment, right? Absolutely. Perfect, perfect. And that segment was brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging. Check out the new Pulsar Trail lineup. I've had the pleasure of hunting with this bad boy. And let me tell you, when it comes to clarity in a thermal optic, I haven't found anything better. You can find it at PulsarNV.com, and you'll save 20% off your entire order. That's right, thermal, night vision, you name it, 20% off your order if you use the promo code LONESTAR. That's LONESTAR at PulsarNV.com. 
Let's take a quick break. Up next, we continue talking long-range shooting with our good buddy Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. That's why God loves cowboys. I believe there's a place in his heart. Cause when the herd needs Hey, y'all. Cable here for Accelerate Auto Group, owned by my childhood baseball buddy. They're a full-service dealership and service restoration and customization facility in Garland, specializing in cool truck customizations, lift kits, performance upgrades. They'll even Kevlar your entire truck or its bed. The perfect heavy-duty finish for hunting and fishing. Accelerate Auto Group also offers 100% custom truck builds. The sky is the limit. Visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com or call 469-300-9669 today. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. It's no secret the weather in North Texas is harsh and unforgiving, and that's why I need to tell you about Tidal Roofing, a fully insured roofing company serving DFW since 2003. Plus, one of the owners is a range listener himself. Tidal Roofing offers free estimates with a workmanship guarantee of seven years using only quality materials. They offer residential and commercial roofing, gutter and window installation and repair, painting, fencing, and are a general contractor. Check them out at TidalRoofing.com or call 972-455-8181 today. Hey, this is Matt Hughes, UFC Hall of Famer. And you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I miss your smile, miss your touch. I miss your small town way of love. I miss the way my life was spent. Whenever day was heaven sound. I miss the way. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Smile is the name of that one there from the Ryan Bales band. I don't know what happened to those guys. They made a record or two and then fell off the face of the earth about a decade ago. But, man, that was some good stuff. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, we certainly appreciate their support, and I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. As we are rocking and rolling, visiting with our old friend Derek Ratliff, CEO of Horizon Firearms. We're talking long-range shooting today as Derek recently competed in the North American Long-Range Shooting Association event uh, here in Texas. First place paid out $7,000, and this is a pretty unique format, one that we're going to talk a little bit more about here momentarily, as I think uh, I think this thing has potential to really take flight and uh, become more popular as long-range shooting continues to increase in popularity. Uh, so we'll jump back into that here in a second. But first, this segment 
Brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about education, hunters' rights, and conservation. To do so, check us out at biggame.org. All right, well, let's get back into it here with Derek. Uh, you mentioned that this format is very unique. Each guy is sitting in his own bay, and it's, you know, there's a big monitor that shows the folks there in attendance if you're hitting the target and where you're hitting it. It's kind of designed, and you mentioned that the, the folks who set up these uh, North American Long Range Shooting Association events, uh, they have a background in the PBR professional bull riding circuit, and it seems to me like this event is styled for television. You, you fed right into that, though. No, that's, that's exactly what they're doing, um, which is really neat because uh, you know, you, you, everybody saw how popular uh, the P, you know, PBR was, mm-hmm. you know, the pro bull riding. And then if you look at how popular even Three Gun Nation was you know, on the Outdoor Sportsman's channel, um, it's kind of going to bring a new, I think, has potential to bring a new light to the long-range shooting uh, arena in the sense that the top, you know, down to the fact that when the top 12 shooters we're going to shoot, you know, so 500 yard match, you're shooting against, you know, four shooters at a time. The 700 match, you're shooting four shooters at a time. Well, the 1,000 yard match is one shooter at a time. They come up, they kind of announce them on like a little platform on the, you know, stage kind of deal. Everybody has their song, much like PBR, <laughs> and then they describe, you know, how they shot and uh, the conditions and the calibers and the different things they're doing. So it's very, very much set up to be a uh, you know kind of long range spotlight mm-hmm. uh, which is exciting to me I, I think that's really neat so uh, if you would have made the top 12 what would your song have been <laughs> <laughs> oh man we were actually talking about this and I'm, I'm gonna go back to high school days and i would have said uh filter hey man nice shot yeah that's a good one <laughs> i like that okay good stuff there that's on my, uh, I don't listen to a lot of rock these days, but that's at the gym. I still I listen yep. to the, the sounds of my youth, and that's one of the ones in the rotation there. So. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, cool. Well, hey, you're a pretty polished shooter. I mean, you make custom high-end rifles for a living um, at Horizon. What would you say was the, the difference between you and the guys that, that did make the top 12 and ultimately, you know, guys who were competing to win this thing? I'll tell you, the, the most humbling thing about long range shooting is is really judging the win um you know so you you have a lot of guys in that arena who've shot a lot i mean you know when you even when you look at a, a you know a hunter who's very accomplished shoots a lot right they've shot a lot in their lifetime so the actual you know with with like geo ballistics and the ballistic calculators the the elevation um, adjustment is not really what separates everybody it's really the win mm-hmm. so you know, um, for me, that that I, there are some pretty awesome wind judges. I guess that's the best way to 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 say it. You know, at 700 yards, we had a crosswind coming from the right, but also wind kind of coming sort of in your face uh, down a valley. So you had a lot of tricky wind there, where behind the target, I could literally see wind, uh, you know, brush moving to the left and then switching and moving to the right. So at 700, you know, I struggled left and right where I noticed a couple of the guys who had uh, who had made it were sequencing their shots a little bit different uh, terminology you hear a lot is that they're runners uh, so what they would do is they would wait for a wind to become more consistent and then shoot a big a fast string of shots you know you may get five shots ping, 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 ping. and then when the wind would shift they would lay off and wait for that wind to come back uh, and run the wind again you know using smaller increments of time 
with faster shots. Um, and which, they've got three minutes to shoot the 10 shots. They've got three, three minutes to shoot the 10, and they may wait and shoot, you know, 30 seconds, uh, may shoot five rounds, and then wait to the very last 30 seconds and shoot the next five rounds. Where, you know, one thing, you know, for me, I, I'm not as, you know, um, accustomed to shooting in the competition type world. So, you know, with hunting, you have all the time in the world, most of the time, to make to pick your win and make your shots. And so I, uh, just being totally honest, probably rough. Three minutes is a really long time to shoot 10 shots. Uh, and the guys who took it a little more wisely, at, you know, did a lot better than win. Hmm. You know, the other thing I, I would say about win, this, you know, just for the guys listening, I think this is really neat information. I, I, you know, you're always in this thing uh, trying to get more education. I was listening to a podcast from a former uh, Army Ranger who is kind of known as, or they published him as the best win judger. You know, that's his thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so he uh, he said there's two kinds of guys in the win, and, and one piece of nugget I'll share with the listeners here. Two guys, one actually guesses the wind, and they just know, feel the wind. Those guys can teach you nothing. The other guys use math, and they can teach you a lot. And so what he said, you know, the most common thing people do is underjudge the wind. So you have wind coming from a 90-degree angle. That's a full-value wind. You hear that term. Wind coming at a 45-degree. Most people, including myself, really assume that to be a half-value wind. Well, his argument with that's really not the case, that uh, the best way to judge wind is to predict the angle it comes in. So say it's coming at 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. You type, pull out the smartphone, type in the number 30, hit the button that says sign, <laughs> And it's going to tell you a percentage of full value wind you should hold. And that was really eye opening to me because I underjudge wind on every station that I shot. Mm-hmm. And um, so what you find out is that a 40, a 45 degree wind is closer to a 70% wind hold. So, and, and until you get below 30 degrees, you know, the wind is much stronger effect on the bullet than a lot of people give it credit for. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fascinating. Um, <clears throat> What are some of the longest shots you've made on animals? Oh, on animals, uh, whitetail out to 830, you know, kudu in the 710 range. Um, that was know, last lot, year, right. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. And then, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in the, I'm going to say, four to 700-yard range, whether it be whitetail or pigs or various African animals, elk, you know, mule deer, those kind of things. I mean, that's that's more of, you know, kind of where I've have shot a lot more mm-hmm. actually animals but you know yeah. i mean it's like it's, it's when it gets when you get out there past you know four or five hundred uh you got to have all your stuff right <laughs> oh yeah, there's just getting out there and guessing is uh well yeah. it's not really ethical to be honest so right exactly and that's that's the deal with me is like if if i you know we make a lot of long, long range shots but i'm not going to do it on an animal unless i feel overly comfortable that i've got it all right yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so um what uh, what calibers are you taking, or caliber are you taking to to South Africa here in a couple of weeks? And go back to the Creedmoor. I'm, uh-huh. This this year, I'm only taking that six five Creedmoor. Uh-huh. Um, believe it or not, and we're gonna do some of the high mountain species. So you know, Vol Reba, Cliff Springer, some of the small guys, um, wildebeest, and then you know, I'm sure your listeners would love this, but not everybody's gonna love this. So be careful with pictures. But uh, we're gonna actually look at shooting a draft this year with that Creedmoor. Awesome. So I can't wait to, to do that. Where do you shoot a giraffe? And, you know, it depends on who you talk to. But uh, for us, you know, we're looking at shooting it in the head, uh, you know, in the back kind of neck and in, in the kind of union there with the neck and the uh, the head. main reason why 
Um, giraffes have obviously humongous lungs, uh, and so they can run a very long way. I've heard that. Um, yeah. You know, if you and, and then it becomes a, an ethics of recovery, right? So shooting in the head, it's one of those deals where you either miss or make a very good shot, and you know you dispatch the animal right there, right? So then your options for recovery are a lot higher. Um, mm. So you know, and you know, you think, well. You, you, the head on a giraffe is huge, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a taxidermist the other day picking up my African mounds, and they had a, a hide there. Oh, let me see that. Look at this thing, you know. I mean, shoot, the head of a giraffe is larger than most, you know, small pigs that we shoot in Texas all the time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a ranch. Uh, it's a, um, oh, gosh, it's the Y.O. Oh, ranch. Mm-hmm. I, I did a, an axis hunt down there last summer, and they have a couple uh, giraffes just for just, oh wow, just pasture chrome, you know, just yeah, for yeah. people to look at, and you can feed them vanilla wafers, and they've got these huge blue tongues, and but they're That's I mean they're awesome. pretty friendly, uh, but yeah, those I'm, heads I'm going to use that term giant. from you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that pasture chrome. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, cool stuff, man. Did you shoot a zebra last year? No, didn't do that. We made my wife. Going back to the giraffes, I've heard that yeah. the zebra are, are hard to hunt because a lot of times they hang out with giraffes, and giraffes are oh, so yeah. dang tall that yeah. you know, they kind of sound the alarm, and then the gig's up, so it might have to take a long-range shot on a zebra. So Last year, the the, uh, the giraffes actually you know, uh, almost messed my Inyala hunt up pretty bad. You know, They did the same thing. They see you coming for a lot longer than uh, most of the other animals do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, so, uh, yeah. well, what was your most fun hunt last year? Dude... Uh, it's kind of weird. To be honest, it was probably the bush buck. Uh, you know, go over there not really thinking that that was an animal that wasn't, it wasn't even on my list. Didn't even know really what a bush buck was. And to me, it was the most like a really, really good mule deer hunt. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's they're re- rather reclusive. It'd be like mule deer hunting in, in a real sagebrush type environment where they're moving from sage to sage, bedding up, and then moving, you know, on certain times. It's really. Um, you know, small windows of opportunity on a small animal. I think that really was uh, the one that I was most surprised about how it went down. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's definitely on my list. I got about, I think, eight animals on there for this. There you go. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, well, hey, let's mention real quick the uh, IOTA yeah. discount because yep. um, I've got the new Crux on my yeah. Horizon 7 mag. It weighs 27 ounces, Six, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is perfect for me. Lightweight. Yep. Um, be doing a lot of walking in South Africa, and then, you know, take it uh, back to, well, you know, the long range stuff we do in the mountains here in North yep. America. And it's I really it's like how your I really like how it turned out on your seven mag as well. I mean, we had while it was here, we had a couple guys come into the retail shop and actually see it and hold it. Most people are surprised at how lightweight you know a fluted steel barrel gun in that crux stock can be. I mean, it's the in my opinion, that setup that you've got is like perfect for elk hunting. Oh it's, yeah, it's it's designed for that. Absolutely. But yeah, so what we're doing, I mean, every, uh, for your listeners, um, on the Outer website, uh, there's a little section when you go check out a discount code. It's Lone Star Outdoors, and you get 10% off anything Iota, and that's exclusively through Lone Star Outdoors. Perfect, perfect, yeah. man. We all check it out. It's at IotaOutdoors.com, yep. and it's not, it's more than uh, rifle. Stocks. Oh yeah, I mean, you've we've got... got several different varieties of rifle stocks and a lot of different colors. They're hand laid carbon fiber composites, as well as we have anti-cant devices and a whole line of uh, scope mounts. Awesome, brother. 
Well, hey, Derek, we certainly appreciate it. It's always great to visit with you, and I can't wait to see those pictures. Uh, yeah. You're going to be there, like we said, the week before us, so we'll be yep. living vicariously through you for that week. And we'll <laughs> follow, us on in, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> it'll be, a, it'll be an, a busy Instagram week for sure. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Take care. Later. All right. Horizon Firearms and Iota Outdoors CEO Derek Ratliff, our good buddy. Um, great stuff there. Always enjoy picking his brain on all things rifles, bullets, ballistics. I mean, you name it. If it has to do with shooting, <laughs> he's the guy to talk to. There's no doubt about it. That segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Two Texas Traditions, Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, and our friends over at Rudy's Barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, including the newest Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas. Rudy's, true Texas-style barbecue. Let's knock out a quick break. Up next, we're going to talk some bird dogs with Gene Mosley. He is the president of the Gulf Coast German Short Hair Pointer Club, and we're going to talk about this versatile gun dog breed, the German short hair pointer, and also uh, coming up in a little bit, we'll get into the snake breaker clinics that highly recommend for anyone who has a hunting dog of any type, especially in Texas or in the southwest portion of the United States, anywhere where they're going to come into contact with primarily rattlesnakes, but also uh, copperheads and uh, water moccasins. So we're talking gun dogs coming at you next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Baby, let me take you down to Mexico. There's a piece of heaven I want to show you. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Need a new car or truck or your current vehicle worked on? Then stop by my buddy Justin's shop in Garland. Accelerate Auto Group does everything from oil changes to engine swaps. Scratch paint to custom car and truck builds, they do it all. Sales and consignment on everything from cheap commuter cars to investment grade, classics, and exotics. Also, all you outdoorsmen out there, check out the Kevlar coating for your truck. Always looking for good vehicles to buy as well. Call 469-300-9669 or visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com today. This is Steven Ranella, and I'm the host of Meat Eater, the show on Sportsman Channel. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. So one last time, let your aim be true on the other side, boy. I'll be waiting for you. Where the dove flies steady and the ducks come down like a painter's vision from the cold gray clouds. The Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Boy and his dog is the name of that one. Great tune there from our buddy Justin Bowerman. And uh, do want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. Also want to thank our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. We're all set to talk some gun dogs here momentarily uh, as we're going to take a look at a specific pointing breed that uh, I've had the pleasure of hunting with many times over the years. Don't own one myself, but would in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity to chase upland game a little bit more. Uh, but before we jump into that discussion, 
This segment of the show is proudly brought to you by the all-new Drive Over Chalk. And if you're hauling a Jeep, an ATV, a golf cart, four-wheeler, you name it, that's a big investment, and you need to protect it. And you can do that with the Drive Over Chalk. Just drive it and dock it with the Drive Over Chalk. And right now, you'll get free shipping. That's $50 value, free shipping if you tell them you heard about them on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And you can find it at driveoverchalk.com. Let's bring on our next guest as we are all set to talk some bird dogs here. He is the, gosh, he's been the president of the Gulf Coast German Shorthair Pointer Club for a decade now. Longtime bird dog trainer and upland hunter, it's my pleasure to welcome Gene Mosley to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself as an outdoorsman and hunting dog owner. Uh, I'm been involved with the Gulf Coast German Short Hair Club since the late seventies. Uh, the club has been around since the mid sixties. Uh, I'm primary, uh, primarily a field trial person, meaning that, uh, these dogs, the German Short Hair Pointer is a bird dog and we do competition either by show or agility or obedience but we also do outdoor field events, which uh, for, for breeding stock, we basically compete with dogs off a of horseback. So I'm one of those guys, uh, but we the club offers something for everybody. Awesome. Yeah, I did a uh, field trial with my lab, Bell. Um, yes, she very went, nice. We failed. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 that retriever uh, field trials are very tough. I tried that myself. Uh, yeah. Tough sport. Well, and she went to, we had a, a trainer, Tiger Retrievers. They, uh, Angie retired. She was a good friend of ours, and she trained Bell. And I took Bell there at six months, and then I picked her up at nine months. And on the day I picked her up was this field trial. And so I just went to the location, hadn't seen the dog in a couple of weeks. You know, I'd go out there on every other Saturday or so and work with her and stuff. But, uh, yeah, she was so excited to see me that, and, and I didn't really know. This is, I kind of failed her, too, because I didn't know the rules, and I didn't, I wasn't polished dog handler you know right and so um she went and looked for the duck and didn't find it immediately and turned around and just ran back to me <laughs> and, yeah <laughs> and i didn't know i could yell at her or blow the whistle i really didn't know what i was doing so it's it's a there yeah. those dogs are so obedient and they do such a great job most of the retriever breeds are very nice but they make bad candidates for our desnaking for that same reason though. Mm-hmm. oh yeah because they're so obedient they don't use their own their own nose to uh to look you know to be curious about what's up around them but uh, we do a lot of them in our de-snaking event that we do every year yeah and we're going to talk about that de-snaking event here uh in a little okay. bit and more just uh, de-snaking in general because whether you've got a lab or, or a bird dog a short hair or a Brittany or whatever uh if you're hunting in texas and you're chasing quail there's not a question of if they're going to come across a rattlesnake they're going to come across one so they're, they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but a little bit more about the club, uh, about how many members do y'all have? We've got 50 to 60 members and we've probably got maybe 20 pretty active members. Like, mm-hmm. Again, from all different aspects, we have a whole group that are into the show world and do a lot of the show activities all over the state and country. And then we have the agility and there's a whole, we have an event in January in Crosby for the agility. And then we have obedience and then we have uh, the field trials, and then we also have a hunt test. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a pretty active club. We have uh, a national champion and national caliber dogs in almost all venues. So uh, it's a very, very active club. Uh, and we've got some pretty nice dogs. Right on. And I know that there's a club up in my neck of the woods uh, around Dallas and then another one in San Antonio as well. Correct. We have the uh, the Lone Star GSP Club in Dallas and the the GSP Club of San Antonio in San Antonio, and then we're the Gulf Coast GSP Club in Houston. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I've hunted upland and, and waterfowl with just about every breed out there over the years. And for upland hunting, though, I haven't seen a more versatile breed than the German Shorthair. I mean, Britneys are great, and um, there are plenty of wonderful other breeds out there. Um, but for me, they have too much hair, and I don't like, you know, <laughs> my buddy's spend it seems like, an hour after we hunt, brushing the cockleburrs out of their hair. And I'm just like, that isn't worth it. Um, right. And, uh, and that's why I, I love the GSP. My sister-in-law has one, and we've quail hunted with it quite a few, you know, quite a few times over the years. Right. Um, and then I've hunted, with, you know, out in West Texas and the Panhandle uh, quite right. a bit with GSPs. And they have a lot of energy. I mean, those dogs will go and go and go. Well, you know, I, I originally started out in the 70s with Britneys, and I loved the dog. It was a great family dog and so forth. And then uh, then went into the German short hairs and, again, competed with them and been out with them. And you're exactly right. I spent a lot of time. I mean, I even shaved my Britneys because it was such a hassle <laughs> with the cockaburs and so forth. But, and, you know, in my travels, I do a lot of judging. I've judged all the, the hunting breeds the pointing breeds in the country on their national events. And I've had some of them like the German wire hairs where the cockaburs actually shut their eyes. I think it was amazing. Oh my gosh. They still are great dogs and do a great job. But uh, the German short hair is pretty flexible in the field. Uh, it is a, it is a dog that if you look at it for a pet, that you need to give it something to do. It, it's not one of those dogs that lays around, like a camp dog. It's a dog that wants to do something, which if you've never had a dog that had a purpose, you you don't know what you're missing. And this dog is designed to be a bird dog. That's mm-hmm. what it's designed to do. It does have the flexibility and, and versatility of that if you want to do dock diving or if you want to do barn hunting or whatever, it'll do that also. But it is a bird dog first, meaning that it needs time to be out and running and, and be active. And if you don't do that, then it's going to find something to replace that. And that sometimes can be destructive as far <laughs> as digging or, or pacing or whatever, because it has this energy threshold to do that. Now it drops off as they get a little bit older. And I mean, I've had them in the house. I've had them in kennels. I've had them both places. They're great dogs. They're wonderful dogs. Yeah. Well, talk about the history of the German Shorthair Pointer. I imagine that it originated in Germany. It did. Uh, it, it, we basically uh, imported a bunch of them in in the 30s and the 40s, uh, different colors. Different, I mean, it comes in basically a liver and white or a liver combination. There are also some blacks that are in it also, uh, but primarily for for uh, the normal, you'll see any combination of liver, liver and white, or liver grown or liver ticked. Uh, they've uh, been pretty active since the 50s, as far as in the field or, or in the show. Uh, right now, I think it's the number one hunting dog. I mean, 
uh, as opposed to we're down here, we have a lot of English pointers, which have a lot of instincts. I mean, they're wonderful dogs, but they're not quite as a uh, people dog as the short hair. I believe that's just my opinion. I'm a little mm-hmm. biased, but, uh, uh, but they've been, been around primarily since the fifties competitively wise. Okay. Okay. And what were, what were they used to hunt in Germany? I mean, do they have quail or I don't know? What yeah, they, it'd be all kinds of upland game, but in Germany, they, they're a little bit different. Uh, in, in the early years, the dog, in my opinion, was a little bit more of a lopier dog, a little bit bigger, a little bit more houndy. And because from Germany, they were designed to not only hunt upland game, they were also tracking that they would track a, a dead deer or whatever, and they were trained to bay after they found the game and so forth. So it was a little bit different design. Since they've been in the United States, we've kind of evolved them to be a little bit more snappier and and uh, a little bit faster to compete with the, the pointer and some of the other dogs. Mm-hmm. And they're primarily a, uh, uh, an upland game dog. They can do the other. They can, you can use it as a retrieving dog and you can, I mean, I've hunted dove with mine and so forth, but they're not like a lab. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you've ever had a lab, that's what they're designed to do. But if you only have one dog and you want to hunt quail, but you also like to do this, they can be taught to do it. They're just, you know, they're, they're versatile, but they're, that's not their, their best attribute, yeah. in my opinion. Sure. Well, and and that's why I usually take Bell in my lab um, when we go yeah. quail hunting is if we're hunting with German shorthairs, she gets to clean up the mess, you know. Like you bet. And those bet. dogs, they want to point. And so they point. You shoot, and half of them are on to the next bird already. You know they're that they're done with that. I, I have seen a couple nice ones that would retrieve and took an interest in that, but I think that was more of the uh, the handler's that, preference, and they were forced yeah, and, edge. And, and you're right. And, and I mean, I've hunted for years with it. We had a nice little yellow lab, and then we had two or three Britons or short hairs, and they will point, and then then they'll find the one or two birds. But if you've got three or four guys, and you got four or five birds down. After they bring that first bird back to you, they're ready to go find out. Oh yeah, you yeah. got that lab. He he'll bring up a bird that you didn't. You know, you'd be walking along, and there it is. And go, where'd you get that? Well, I found it when nobody else found it. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of who they are. And 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 the short hair is is basically one. Let me go to the next objective. Let me get there and find it, and then let me uh, show you what I look like when I when I point and have that that instinct of backing and pointing and, mm-hmm. and, and, and retrieving. Yeah. Uh, they, they try to do all of it. Let me ask you this is because you've had the Britneys and, uh, GSPs, which one was more likely to go fetch? Cause I hunted last year out in the panhandle with a friend of mine, Evan McMorty at his ranch and his Brittany, I mean, Bell didn't have anything to do. If less, we got a double, that dog loved to retrieve. So I didn't know if there was a big difference there or. I think breed wise, there's not a whole lot of difference. I know that in, in competition wise, in the field trials, the Brittany's are not asked to retrieve. It's not part of their okay. requirements to mm-hmm. be a field champion. Whereas in the short hairs and the, the Vishlas and the wines, they're, they're required to retrieve. But my Brittany's personally, were some of my best retrievers. They had a very nice light mouth and so forth. Some of the short hairs, if you get some of the older lines, they're a little hard mouth, but then you, you got to work with them. But 
but overall, I mean, speaking in, in general, they they are good retrievers. They just need to be walked through it. I mean, you have to explain to what it is when their puppy's throwing and, and get them, you know, so that when you throw something or something, you want it to bring it back. It's not a natural instinct uh, exactly uh, like, a, like a lab is. Sure, sure. Well, but they do good jobs, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of people buying GSP pups, I've noticed, over the past two years. Like, um, in this business, people ask me all the time, do you know a good breeder for this dog? But in the last two years, it's been like, wow, just inundated with people wanting to get GSPs. And it has a lot to do, obviously, with the quail rebounding, um, which is great. You know, I, there was so much just, uh, just it was just disheartening as, a, as an upland hunter when we had the drought and the, see the quail and pheasant disappear uh, right. the last two, three years just coming back in droves. So um, I've, have you noticed that uh, there's been a spike in, in people? I, I think, you know, again, I, I've been doing this for almost four years and I was, used to do quite a bit of hunting and that's pretty normal in texas that you'll go five to six ten years that you have a rise and then you drop off and you go all the way down that you don't have and it goes like that if you look over the last 40 years that's pretty normal uh, i mean you lose 80 percent of your quail population every year anyway without mm-hmm. even hunting and sometimes with the with the drought and so forth or or too much water or whatever you lose it that's why a lot of people get into this hunt test and these field trials is that you're, you're, you know, suddenly you've got a three-year-old dog that's a great hunter. He's a great competitor. You know, you think he's a, he's a really nice companion. And then you go through that three-year period where there's no birds yeah. and you can't go hunting. So you, you play the game. You go out and you go to this, you know, a, a couple of five, 600 acres and they plant out 50, 100 birds or whatever. Oh, and you it's go so out much fun. Yeah. Oh, it's a blast. It's I a blast. actually saw my lab point a quail, uh, and she learned it. I'm pretty sure from following these GSPs that we were hunting with yeah. around. Yeah. And next thing, and it was funny because one of the short hairs walked past it, and I looked back, and he had a solid uh, chocolate one. I think it was actually right. might have been a, a poodle pointer. And, right. Uh, and we had two GSPs too, and and I looked back, and they're like, "Hey, that's your dog." I was like, "No, that's that poodle pointer." No, I, not Kenny Bell was pointing a quail. It was crazy. <laughs> well, they do have labs that are considered pointing lab yeah yeah and, and we had one that we trained uh it was a yellow lab it was a great lab uh it didn't point we called it guarding he would guard you know he'd see the dogs point and so forth and he would just sort of naturally say okay i'm ready and he would stop uh-huh. and then we would go shoot the birds and whatever and then everybody would do what they're supposed to do and then suddenly he'd come in and 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 clean up it's a great combination oh it is it, Two nice pointing dogs and a nice retriever is a is a lot of fun. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't know, would you do the GSPs flush as well? Not by design. Okay, I, I was just I, curious. I, I didn't know because no, that was the other cool I, thing the lab got to do was when they when yeah. They, you know, there's a, there's a lot of hunters though. I mean, for me speaking, I mean I'm from the competitive world, so we're trying to look for breeding stock. We're looking for the best style Mm -hmm. the best everything and that does not mean flushing but a lot of hunters when they walk in on the birds they want that dog to walk in with them and some of them will even teach them to flush they'll do it i guarantee well that's the whole point of what we do is that we teach them i mean the point is basically a hesitation before a pounce that's Mm -hmm. what it is and all we're doing is teaching them not to pounce 
So it's very easy to just say, you know, go, and they'll flush it when you want it. Right. That's that right. would be the easiest thing if you wanted to do that. Well, gotta give these these GSPs that I've hunted with. Um, my, I don't know if Corey Robinson is involved with the uh, the Dallas chapter, but he has a bunch of uh, really good pin raised birds. And, right. Um, I think it's White Rock Upland Game Birds is his operation, and he'll take you on a, a hunt. He's got, like I said, Correct. three or four Absolutely. great dogs, but. They are trained not to flush, and so Absolutely. he'd always that's, say, that's, "Get get Bell in there." And so I just I, Bell just picked it up, just say Bell, and she'd run in there and flush them. And there's yeah. nothing better than the you know that teamwork uh, when you've got. But see, from, from a from a from a trainer's perspective that has uh, you know guided hunts and so forth, they they have a lot of hunters that are not very qualified hunters, and they don't want those dogs going in there and chasing and jumping mm-hmm. because some of those hunters... That's why you want to send my dog in there. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's very possible. I'm going to call Corey when we get off the phone here. <laughs> There's been a lot of those type hunters that have lost dogs, and, and, and it's not like you can go buy one. It, it takes, you know, two or three, four years to get Absolutely. that dog to, to get to that point, and so you protect them very much. Oh, no doubt. I'd lose my S if somebody shot my dog. There's no doubt about that. Um, Let's do this, though, Gene. Let's take a break and come back and get into protecting that investment, whether it's a a duck dog, a bird dog, a catch dog, or a coon hound. It doesn't matter. You need to protect that investment and make sure those dogs are afraid of snakes because they're going to come into contact with them. And uh, let's get into that snake breaker clinic next. Uh, Are you cool to stick around? Absolutely. Awesome. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Costa Sunglasses. If you haven't heard about their partnership with O-Search, they've got a new campaign going on to help better understand great white sharks and protect shark populations from overfishing. So don't fear the fin. Fear the world without it. Check out the new Costa Tiger Shark Frame. A percentage of every sale will go back to O-Search to help in shark conservation. Check it out. You can find Costa's full lineup right there at CostaDelmar.com. We all stick around. We're going to continue talking all things hunting dogs up next right here on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Hey, y'all. Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Hi, this is Terry Drury with Drury Outdoors. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Walk down to the bay. I listen to the world. 
There's a little Mickey in the motor cars bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Great to be here talking all things outdoors with you today. As we are actually, man, one of my favorite topics. Who doesn't like to talk hunting dogs, y'all? We can debate the best breed uh, till the end of time for both upland and hog dogging and waterfowl. That's irrelevant when it comes to our next subject because uh, we've got to protect that investment. Whether your dog lives in a kennel outside, maybe it's an inside-outside dog, or maybe it's just a couch potato, they're oftentimes a big part of our family. I mean, my kids crawl all over Bell, and so we owe it uh, to them to protect them when we do put them in harm's way. And that seems silly. How can you protect something by putting it in harm's way? But I'm talking about snakes, and there's just a reality that hunting dogs come face to face with. And every year a buddy of mine's dog gets bit and sometimes they die, sometimes they don't. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's gut-wrenching when they do. And it's really sad when they don't, even when they don't die. I mean, if you've ever seen a rattlesnake bite on a person or a canine, uh, think about just a big rotting mess of flesh because that's essentially what that toxin does to your body. It's really bad. It's painful. And usually requires surgery to fix it. And I'm talking about skin graft surgery. It's uh, it's not a good thing. So before we jump back into uh, our discussion here, this segment of the show is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. It's grilling time, y'all. Uh, July, August means folks are in the backyard. They're grilling all that wild game that they harvested last season, uh, trying to clean out the freezer. And uh, maybe you went down to the coast, caught some trout, or hit up the crappie at the lake. Whatever the case. Folks, our barbecuing in all seasons has everything you need for the ideal backyard setup. Barbecue pits, smokers, and grills, and you can find them all at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right, uh, well, before the break, we were visiting with Gulf Coast German Shorthair Pointer Club President Gene Mosley, a lifelong bird, bird dog handler and hunter. And so, Gene, you know, when it comes to retrievers, there's a couple books out there. Uh, for me, Water Dog was the Bible. That's the one I read. A lot of our listeners have probably read it as well. But for the Upland guys, uh, is there a similar book that is available that you know is kind of the gold standard by which to train uh, a pointing dog? There's quite a few books and tapes available. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit older. I've been doing it for some time, and I think when we started, it was the Train Your Bird Dog by Delmar Smith, which uh, is out of Oklahoma. Oh, I met Big him at the uh, Park City yep. Quail event two, like yep. two years he, ago. He was the yep. T. Boone Pickens. He's a master. He is. Yeah. And his son, Rick Smith, uh, does it. I mean, I used to compete with Rick when he was in the, on the uh, field trial world 25 years ago. Uh, I mean, there are some books that you can do now. Uh, there are, you know, Rick Smith has videos. Delmar Smith has videos. All of them have videos. There's a trainer, and we have a German shorthair trainer that is a Hall of Fame trainer in Hondo uh, by the name of John Rabidou that, that does a lot of seminars and competes, and he does trainings also. Hmm. And so there's a lot of different techniques, uh, and there are all different variations of that. Uh, sure. And that's what makes a good trainer is that every dog goes through that, that course, but when it hits the thing that it can't do, is how that trainer moves it aside and goes and figures out how to take care of that situation. 
like some dogs, they, they, you know, if you put them on a check cord or a long cord, they may or may not point. But, you know, you take them off a cord, they do point. So you got to be able to be flexible to work them through that system. But there, there is definitely a system, what we would consider a system, to get a dog to be steady, wing, and shot. Okay. Um, let's talk about the uh, snake breaker clinic because we are running short on time okay. here. Uh, yep. I understand you guys have one coming up. It's uh, like we talked about earlier in the interview. It, whether it's a lab or any kind of pointer, base or or a hog dog, whatever, I would suggest to any of our listeners: if you have a hunting dog in Texas, I would get it to one of these clinics if you haven't already. And I'm going to let you talk a little bit about what these clinics do. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, the 38th year that we have done this. We are the originators of the desnaking program in Texas. Basically, the the three German short hair clubs got together in the 80s, and we uh, started this with some some snake people, and uh, we basically put on a, an event where you can bring your dog, and your dog can come face to face with a live diamondback rattlesnake, and under a controlled environment, and uh, we basically teach it. To, to stay away from that snake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, it's not sugar-coated. I mean, the dog is shocked whenever he's... Right. Comes. What we do is that we, we bring a dog in. I mean, if you want to break it down, is that we bring a dog in to, uh, with a long cord, and we have a guy that handles the dog, and we bring him into a snake. And the first snake is, is a snake that we tape the rattles to simulate a dormant or a, or a cotton mouth or or a copperhead Mm -hmm. and then we what we want that dog to do is get a good scent picture he relies on his nose more he does than his ears or his eyes and so once he gets to that point where it may be two feet ten feet or right on top of it he's going to make a decision i'm going to back away from it or i'm going to go after it when he makes that decision to do one or the other, we're going to give him a negative response with the electric collar. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell him that, one, you got too close, or you can't go in after it. It's going to bite you. And it's a true avoidance training with electric collar, meaning that he thinks it's the snake that did it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the theory. There's other ways of using the electric collar with lighter touches and everything, but this is like touching the stove. It's hot. It tells you that, oh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so what we do is we give him a good – I mean, when he gets to that point, it may take him a second or it may take him three seconds to download all that data, and then he's going to make a decision. And when he makes the decision, we give him the negative response. Then the dog has a tendency, like all dogs, to be curious. He'll, he'll get behind the handler, and he'll start looking at it from a distance. We'll tap him to let him know no curiosity because the curiosity means that he can do it at 10, 9, 8, 7. He get closer and closer to that snake. Mm-hmm. And then we'll take him to the next snake. And the next snake is what we call a hot snake, meaning that its rattles are loose. And when he comes around that snake, I mean, we're literally letting this dog run around like he's out just using the bathroom. He can do whatever he wants to. And when he hears that sound, it's going to bring his curiosity and he's going to go towards that snake. And then when suddenly everything clicks to him that he smells it and sees it. And he says, Oh no, this is not where I want to be. 
he's got to make a decision again. (laughs) And when he makes that decision, we're going to reinforce that with saying, no, you need to stay away from it. That's why we mentioned earlier why the labs are so hard is that when you train a lab to to be in competition, he heals. He he won't do this on his own. Mm -hmm. So if you want to walk in front of a truck, he'll walk in front of a truck. (laughs) They're the hardest for this game, but they use it a lot because we have a lot of uh, cotton mouse in this part of the country. Yeah. And so, and in our travels, I mean, we've done, oh, six, 7,000 dogs. We do a third of them are retrievers. A third of them are, are pointing dogs. And a third of them are anything from a Great Dane to a Chihuahua. Right, right. Yeah, if you live out in the country, I mean, absolutely. Don't even have to be a hunting dog. Just get them. Right. They're ten acre places, and they got you know copperheads down here a lot, and then in different other places, got different other snakes. But uh, we've had great successes. We have people say, you know, my dog wouldn't retrieve, and I. I was so upset with him, and I yelled at him, and I went over, and the, and the dove was half eaten with a, you know, snake was halfway around it, or, uh, and and they'll tell you. Some of them will will come back to you and act funny. Some of them will jump when they see something, and and if you if you're got that relationship with them, you can go there and you can see the snake, and uh, and then there's some that don't get it. I mean, there's a percentage of them that just don't get it. They just uh, I mean, Darwinism, many, right? <laughs> well, there's some breeds that, you know, old terrier breeds and stuff, they're designed to go after this stuff, and it's hard to yeah. get them to, to understand it. But the majority of them do very well. And, and basically, in reality, most of these dogs will make a decision, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but let's just say it's 50-50. If 50% of them will not go on its own, and 50 will go. All we're doing is trying to work on the ones that will go after. So now it's 75 that won't go after them. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a pretty inexpensive insurance policy. We have people that come back every year. We have people that go every other year that come back because it's just a great opportunity to put your dog in, in a position where he actually can see and smell and hear these snakes. Yeah. And, and you get a reinforcement of it. And, uh, for any kind of pet, or especially if you have a hunting companion, it, it's a, it's been a, a, a real good uh, insurance policy for them. Well, and um, these snakes are defanged, the, the hot ones. Yeah, so. what we do is that we, we milk them and we defang them and because what happens is is that a snake, it, 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 if it breaks a fang off in the field, within days, it'll drop another fang right in behind it. So what we do is that we defang them so that it it keeps a little bit of that fang in there, so it irritates them for about a day or two, and then that fang drops in. And and we're the the guy that does this for us. Uh, I mean, he goes all over the country now. I mean, originally he was just a German short hair member, and uh, but we he tries to keep these you know these snakes as they're not cheap anymore. <laughs> they're hard to keep. And so we're, we're the, the place that we keep them is shaded to keep the snakes are in good good shape, the dogs are in good shape, and it's just us old people that are a little hot. <laughs> right, right. And so, what is the cost uh, if you want to have? It your... costs fifty dollars. That's a very minimal floor. minimal investment to uh, it protect is your minimal investment. Big investment. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, going back to my dog, I know that, that, that this it wasn't a cheap undertaking to, you know, find the right breeder and then find the right trainer. Um, and, uh, 
it's definitely worth a $50 investment. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Bell, speaking of Bell, though, she hasn't been to one of these in about four years. How often, like, realistically, do you think they need to go to these? I've got some people that have come. I, mean, I can see when we send them flyers and stuff, they've come for 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, it doesn't hurt them. I mean, half of these dogs, they go through the course and they don't even get shocked because they get in there and they, they catch scent and, boy, their first thing is to – to break away from it, and we just walk them through it so they they can see it. Some of them they they need one reinforcement, but we would we would suggest at least every other year just to kind of because because dogs are such repetition animals. The more they understand, the better. Mm-hmm. But uh, you could do it longer than that, or you, you know, like I said, we got some that come every year because they they feel highly uh, you know involved in in getting you know getting the result. Yeah. Uh, Belle's got to get to a clinic. She's overdue. It is August the 5th and 6th at the West Houston, uh, West Houston Airport. Uh, and my number, uh, phone number is 713-545-7315. And my name again is Gene Mosley. Gene, and you've been the president for a decade now. And uh, I understand. I've been a member of the club for 40 years. And uh, we're just now in the, I am the president, but uh, getting ready to pass it to someone else here pretty quickly. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. Well, hey, we certainly appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. There he goes. Gene Mosley of the Gulf Coast German Short Hair Pointer Club. That's a mouthful, but a great organization and truly uh, an amazing breed as well. Uh, I'd love to have either a GSP or a Brittany working in front of my of my girl, Belle. That is the truth because uh, just watching those dogs work as a team, there, is, there isn't a better sight, I don't think, in the great outdoors than uh, hunting dogs doing what they do and working as a team. Uh, just like a bay dog and, and a catch dog uh, for all the hog doggers out there. That's an awesome sight as well. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't for my first lab, Maverick, and his passion for duck hunting, I, I don't know if I would have uh, fallen in love with hunting to begin with. So they all have a special place in my heart, that is for certain. That segment, by the way, Proudly brought to you by the Stillwaters Ranch in Llano, Texas. If you're looking for that trophy whitetail hunt for this coming fall, look no further. Go to stillwatersranch.com. Located in Llano, Texas, the Stillwaters Ranch is on the Leverett family homestead. It's been in the family since 1892. Over 100 years of history, and you'll get to hunt with my good friend Clayton Leverett. They've got some amazing whitetails, and they are booking right now. Check it out, stillwatersranch.com. Let's do this. Uh, let's end the show because looking at my watch here, we're out of time. We got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, my least favorite part of every weekend. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. If you don't love it, leave it. Let this song I'm singing be a warning. You running down my country, man, you 